And hello everybody, welcome to Radio Hub Plays and today we have three exciting stories for you to listen to written by Year 10 students Nathan Atherton, Ed Townrow and Niall Darling. Two of the stories are spine-chilling tales and the other one is based on a famous story by H.G. Wells. Sit back, relax and listen. Oksanov by Nathan Atherton I was in Poland and joined Oksanov, a 10-day period stretching from the 25th of October to the 5th of November. It is a rare time that only happens every five centuries. This year is its 10th anniversary in the year 50 AD. People from all around the world gathered to praise and give thanks to the spirit of the harvest to keep us safe from the graduate of evil. My dog Breezy and I had just spent some time in the market square in Krakow before heading to the river bank to see the ceremony. I was anxious because I didn't want Breezy running off after the birds or jumping in the water and making a scene. I kept him close for a while until the fireworks started and the glaze of the colours which filled the sky caught my eye. When I remembered to look down I saw an empty space at my feet and my body sank. Feeling like jelly, Breezy had run off. I rushed all over the market, cooling and cooling and cooling, before I heard a rustling in the bushes by the forest called Chivalwood. I knew this was bad news. My mind hesitated, but my body thought otherwise. I stepped over the threshold and crept further in. With each step, I crunched on twigs, which scared me. Drip, 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 drip. It was the sound of water dropping off the trees that surrounded me and splashed onto my head. I felt uneasy. I took one more brave step forward before a man ran up to me screaming. He was forbidding me and cursing at me not to go any further into the wood. He then ran off. I didn't think any more of it at first because it seemed as if he was out of his mind on booze. I started whistling, seeing if Breezy would come back, but he didn't. I called dinner, but still no reply. I found myself worrying at this point. There was no response from Breezy, and I had found I had walked so far that I couldn't find my way back. It was almost like the forest had changed patterns. I finally found a path with old, beaten-up signs, warning signs, spread along the side of the path that said, Carry on at your own risk. Enter if you dare. And whatever you do, don't wake her. I was confused. I didn't know if I was safe or not. And who is her? I looked around to see if anyone was in sight, but only darkness was with me. I hoped. I hadn't heard from Breezy for quite some time now, and I knew that I had to keep looking. I squished and squelched my way along the narrow path. I heard. I turned around, eager to see what had caught my attention. I was met by a thorny trap preventing me from retreating down the path I had come down. The bramble barrier was full of sharp briars that clung to my ankles, piercing my skin as I squinted, scored and flinched in pain. When I scowled through the gap in the trees, I saw her. Her soulless stare shot through me, sending a wedge of cold darkness through me. Her hair hung like strands of wet string, her eyes as white as snow, 
her hands like claws searching for life as they anxiously tried to reach for me so that she could consume the essence of my soul. I found I couldn't run away because then the briars had tied me down and fixed me to the spot. As I struggled, the thorns buried themselves deeper into my flesh. Blood started dripping from my ankles as the briars spread across my body like a shadow, hungry to devour my soul, until they looked as if they were growing out of me. Her empty stare delved into my mind, drained it of all emotion and memory, so that she could replace them with hers. Like a possessed creature of the night, my body arced in pain as she ripped open my chest, and clenched to my beating heart in her cold, gnarled hand. Her eyes became the mirrors that reflected her soul and glowed with a silvery white light glare. She had transported a vision of her story, of her torturous life, strangled by the most horrendous acts of evil, which eventually broke her soul. Now she needed my soul. I woke up with a shudder, cupping the back of my head with my hand as I sat up on the forest floor. I thought I had had the most awful dream. Oh, but how I was wrong. The sudden noise broke the silence as I recalled behind a tree. When I appeared from out behind it, I was horrified. To see myself looking back at me as if I was looking into a mirror. It was only then that I saw a fear in his eyes. But were they my eyes? I thought I recognised myself, but how could this be? I reached out to see if I was still dreaming and wrapped myself around this figure, digging deep into the flesh passing my agonising pain into his body. I felt his screams echoing through each tendril and every spiny thorn. Only then I felt like I recognised the pain and I had seen this awful scene before. I knew what was coming next and I remembered what I had forgotten. My name is Bo Brick, and I'm going to re review the audiobook book Frozen with Horror by Ed. By Ed. I, I can't pronounce his last name, so we're just going to call him Ed for now. Anyway, the plot of the book is like about a teenage boy who is walking his dog, and all of a sudden, Martians start attacking. Ging. That's all I'm going to say. And sorry if I do stutter a little bit and my voice is a little tiny bit terrible and I might take a few pauses. I, I just never have done something like this before. I mean, I've done something similar to this, but not much. But anyway, wait, um, what do I think? I think that the book was pretty darn good and I enjoyed it so much. I and I was hooked to see what would happen. And it felt like the character's voice, Edward, who voices the character, felt like his voice just matched our main character to so much. Felt like an actual 16-year-old was in London witnessing this stuff. I definitely recommend this book because it is just so good. 
and interesting to listen to. It's actually better than the actual book that H.G. Wales wrote. Anyway, I hope you enjoy reading this book, and I'll see you lot never again. Bye. Frozen with Horror by Ed Townley. Shut up, you fool, said a man in front of me. I was standing on the green in a small town called Buxton. I'd been walking the dog on this warm autumnal morning. Moments before, Fred, our cheeky Jack Russell, had been pestering me to take him out for his usual mid-morning stroll. It felt like a typical Sunday morning and I hadn't see- sensed anything different or unusual about the day. As we approached the green, Fred's behaviour changed. He began to pull at the lead and to take us away in the opposite direction. He started to yap and grizzle and growl in his throat as if there was something there that, that unsettled him. And yet I could not see what it was. I immediately picked him up and cradled him in my arms as I made my way onto the green. He seemed to be keen to be held. I noticed he was trembling and whimpering, which was very much unlike him. There, there, Fred. It'll be okay. I comforted him. A crowd had started to gather. They seemed to be drawn to something. Listening, I heard a noise, a murmur, that seemed to be coming from behind the trees. The air seemed to have a presence, a vibration that wasn't natural. By now, Fred was barking in the direction of the sound, the noise. Suddenly, a huge flock of birds burst from the trees in front of me. They squawked and screeched as they flew off in a cloud. But still, my eyes were drawn to the trees, where I saw a pillar of smoke that hung in the air like a thick, black cloud. The crowd stood motionless. There was no screaming, no shouting, just a harrowing silence as we anticipated what was going to happen next. The noise came again, a rhythmic pounding coming from behind the trees, drew closer and louder. Thud, a loud yet muffled thud, struck fear into the people, stood waiting. Yonder, do you see them? A young man beside me shouted. Shut up, you fool, said a man in front of me. They will see us. I've seen what terrible things they've done before in other places. A sudden, smoky cloud jerked up and rose from the trees, choking the air in front of us. An eerie orangey red lit the sky. Run, the man screamed. Run for your life. Fred panicked and jumped from my arms and ran off into the frantic crowd as it surged away from the scene. I too ran with them, having caught a glimpse of their awful armoured bodies glittering in the light of the flames. They smashed their way through the trees and towards us. Somebody suggested to get into the lake just on the outskirts of Buxton. 
I had no time to, and I had no time to stop and look for Fred as the menacing armored monsters turned to stride after us. Some people stood frozen with horror, whilst others flashed past me as they scattered ahead in different directions. There was no order, everything was in chaos, and the fear was unbearable. I ran across the muddy, slippery stones of the lake, and I tried to keep my head down in the hope that I would not be seen. The Martians must have thought the people running this way and that were nothing more than confusion events in a nest under attack. Waist deep in the lake, somebody barked the order to get down and hold your breath. They're coming. Suddenly, they appeared over the hill and towered over us. Seven of them. The one in front lifted the ghastly, terrible heat ray, sending a flame of heat wave over the top of us. I struggled to hold my breath as the water around me started to boil and bubble. Gasping for breath, I leapt out of the water and headed for shore. Unable to stand the heat, in that same moment, a cannon under the cover of the trees shot at the Martian and knocked him over just like a skittle. Tattered fragments of red flesh in glistening metal scattered across the lake. I cheered and felt a sense of relief, but knew there were six others still standing. In a deafening cry, they lifted their funnels and I knew we were in big trouble. I've seen this awful thing before. you dare step into the mist from the world you know to the world you don't know? I squinted to see spiky brittle fingers grabbing hold of the clouds so that they hung just above whatever laid beyond the tree line. I could feel that it was hiding something sinister. Dare I go further? I thought. It was the year 1998, a beautiful Friday evening, when I stepped out into the countryside. I took my usual walk with Rufus, my golden retriever. I'm sure you've all walked with your dog before but I bet you have never walked your dog along the green edges of Brainbrook Farm. I planned to meet Marley, a farmer friend en route around Brainbrook Farm, the farm he owns. The farm was in Suffolk, and it was whilst I was walking in one of the back fields that I noticed that even though the sun was shining, the wind had a chill in the air. The sun reminded me that summer was just around the corner, and the chill spoke of winter passing. About seven minutes into the walk, I came across the field where there was a green carpet that led to the distance, running along its edge. Marley was standing by the budding oak tree, about halfway down the carpet of green. His back was towards me, 
and it looked like a silhouette against the hanging smoky mist. The mist seemed to choke the trees. Rufus playfully barked and ran over the rough rocky ground to Marley, who then turned to crouch down and stroke him. The field was a dark chocolate brown next to a jade green grass. Hello Marley, I called as I walked towards him. Are you well? Seems a bit colder than usual, don't you think? He commented as the warm vapour of his breath carried his words. Yes, it is cold, I replied rubbing my hands over my arms. As we turned to face the mist, as I listened more intently, I noticed that the wind was taunting me, whispering my name. Do you hear that? I asked nervously. No mate, hear what? He replied with curiosity. I thought someone was calling my name. It must have just been the wind. We took a few steps forwards and the leaves rustled under our feet. A twig snapped. I spun around as my heart pounded against my chest, thinking that there was someone or something following us. It suddenly occurred to me that Rufus was no longer with us. The sweet chirping of happy birds had stopped. Silence had banished all noises. I turned back towards the mist and saw Rufus running into the wood. Rufus, get back here, boy, I called. The mist seemed to swallow Rufus, stopping him from returning. Fearful and worried of what laid behind the curtain of mist, I chased after him, followed by Marley. Mud squelched and splodged under our feet as we ran to keep up. When we reached the edge of the wood, the trees seemed to stand proud in a line like a row of terrace houses, guarding whatever lay behind it. We stopped at the tree line, hesitant to go in, yet feeling an overwhelming sense of excitement, anticipation and ambitiousness. With butterflies in my stomach, I thought, you probably want to know what's behind the walls of trees as much as I do, don't you? Looking at Marley, we both bravely and adventurously took a step and broke through the wall of trees and mist. From behind, the trees and mist reformed their wall and we vanished from sight.